0: Hello, and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. You know, we often say, or I often say, let's watch this like a movie. And I have thoroughly enjoyed doing this series, if you will, about our legacy and the, the inheritance of the saints and It's like every week I see stuff in these stories when I'm sitting there permeating on them that I feel like, man, this is the best one yet. This is the best thing yet that I've seen out of this. And I actually feel that way today. We'll see how it goes. But I wanna start off with the main character, the star of the show. We understand that Jesus is the Logos, the, the Word of God who was with God and was God, as John says. He's the sum of the whole thing. He is the full revelation of who God is. And we're seeing him as our inheritance throughout all of these old stories that were written for us. But I want to start with him walking around something that he said that I thought I feel is. It literally might be my favorite thing Jesus ever said in the Bible. And um, it really might be one of the most savage quotes. And. The setting of it, if you will, is that this, this woman has been, has been He's sitting down teaching, as I am right now, in the synagogue, and this woman's brought in. She's been caught in, in the very act of adultery. She's, she's being accused. Her accusers are there. They throw her in the middle, like, we've caught this woman in the very act. Moses says, stone, what do you say to do? And Jesus steps to the side, as you know, and he kind of just ignores them. He doesn't say a word. He does not participate in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He does not come with that judgment that they expected or hoped that he would uh, go against so that they could actually stone him. And obviously, he literally comes and he says this beautiful quote to them, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. It actually affected every single one of their hearts. It, It hit every single one of them. And one by one they started dropping their stones and leaving the judgment that had caused them that had poisoned them to want to kill someone and to feel justified in doing that. They realized that they were like, wow, I'm about to execute somebody. This is dark. And this is, this is not what I want my life to be about. And they left. He looked at the woman. She looked at him. He asked her, Hey, where are your accusers? This is a long, This is a line in the sand right here for all of us to see. She says, they're all gone. He's like, well, I don't accuse you. So go and sin no more. You know, there's, it's this beautiful reality of God coming manifesting himself, the tree of life, if you will, this war of our lineage that we've been talking about. He literally shows up and he's like, I'm not that tree. I'm a different tree. Where are your accusers? And it's like, well, I'm not the tree that they thought that I was, that people have thought God was. I don't accuse you either. And he sets this lady free it's wonderful he sits down and he talks to them about the things of the kingdom he was in a teaching setting and then the religious leaders all start to gather around him their plan had been foiled i think foiled means it failed right yeah, yeah okay so yeah their plan had been foiled i think i've used that before today in 43 years so uh so yeah that had happened and and he starts to get vehemently accused by them all these negative things about him they're accusing him calling him illegitimate you know they start to accuse him you're propping yourself up you're honoring yourself and when we're zooming in in this this phase of the movie when we're watching the I am right the one who threw the stars across heaven that knows them all by name that angels can't even barely deal with themselves around him they they fall to the ground and bow and worship to him because of the glory and splendor of this person who is so hidden inside of his humanity and humble they don't recognize him we recognize him because we're watching the movie we've seen the whole thing and um they're talking about honoring and 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 and, and you honor yourself and they finally ask him are you greater than our father Abraham the one whose legacy whose lineage we've been studying for these past, I don't know, four or six weeks. The very one, the first one that God came and picked after the Tower of Babel's rebellion, that God started with His own people through one person and made this promise. Through your seed, all of the families of the earth will be blessed. These promises that we've started to look at. Are you greater than Him? You know, the first follower. To which... Jesus says something in John 8, 56, my favorite thing. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you're not even 50 years old. You say you've seen Abraham? Well, Jesus saying he saw me. He saw my day. Jesus says back to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am he calls himself the I am oh boy that's my favorite thing that he's ever said probably you know it says they took up stones to throw at him but he hid himself he cloaked himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them he's sitting there teaching like me in front of a crowd and they took the stones back up to throw at them. The very ones that were meant for that woman that, they had, that the other ones had dropped, now they're like, hey, we got the ammunition, let's launch. And they took them, and, then, and it was like, where'd he go? Do you think I could hide from you guys right now? No. <laughs> Behind what? And get out of one of those exits? or the, You know what I mean? No. But they were blind. They were blinded by the poisonous fruit of the tree of the knowledge, of good and evil, fear blinds, that's the fruit of that tree, and so they couldn't see the light of the tree of life that was right in front of them, the one they, 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 they confessed to be in full service to, they were trying to execute, that's how blind they were, but it wasn't his time, and so him and his disciples literally walked out in the, it says in the midst of them, just literally walked out, and they could not see them. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Obi-Wan, you know, it's, it's something like this. It's like this is in our Bible. And it's like they, they just floated, floated right on out, walked right through. You know, right when he said something that was one of the most, it was blasphemy. He's like, he just called himself God. Before Abraham was, I am. The I am. The name. The one. And I love that. But since we're talking about our legacy and we're talking about what it means to walk by faith and not by sight, the Pharisees, the religious ones, they were so blinded, they didn't walk by faith. They were so in fear of God, you know, that they were going to attack anything that was a threatened, that was threatening their position and their, their religion and their way. They wanted to attack it and they still do. And it's like, because of that, they were so blinded because they were so afraid they couldn't see who he was and their blindness manifested and he walked right out of the room. But I love what he said. Your father, they brought him up. You know what I mean? Your father rejoiced. It's like, it's like when you, if you're talking about somebody that's the most famous person in the world. And then somebody's like, yeah, well, actually, I know him. I, I grew up with him. And you're like, What? How do you know, you know, whoever it was, you know, I, who's a famous person, you know? Tom Brady, or you know, I don't know who would be famous around these darts. You know, but it's just like, wow, like, yeah, yeah, we, we just play catch all the time and all this. It's just like, yeah, he's like, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and he was glad. Whoa. Abraham saw Jesus. He rejoiced to see it. He was so happy to have seen him. What is that? Who is this Abraham guy? We've been looking at him. He comes and he meets the word, right? First, he he has this word from from God. Depart from your own culture, from your family, from from everything you've ever known and follow me. And I've got this major promise that's going to bless the entire world through you. And it's like, wow. Wow. But we've seen in the past several weeks as, as we've looked at Abraham, sometimes he's like kind of courageous and he believes that stuff, and sometimes he's scared and he tries to work it out in his own flesh. When he's scared and he works it out in his own flesh, usually finds himself in a little bit of trouble. But when he trusts in the goodness of God, the one who he's following, things seem to work out quite brilliantly. You know, to be honest, even when he does make mistakes because he's choosing to follow God, things still work out for the guy. But now we're hearing something from this side of the book that informs us of that movie. Because we've understood, we've talked about Genesis 15, the first time the word of the Lord ever came to a person was Abraham. Right? Which was the embodiment of Yahweh, which was Jesus. So we're learning like, oh my goodness, Abraham knew the Lord Jesus embodied. Call him the angel of the Lord, call him Yahweh embodied, call him whatever you want. But theologically, this is saying he knew him. And not only did he know him, he saw forward. We talked about that a few weeks ago, like the book of Jude quotes Enoch, who literally, you know, also Genesis talks about Enoch. He walked with God and he was not, for God took him. He literally saw all the way forward, that he saw the um, full redemption of the blood of Jesus, and he stepped into that reality. And the book of Jude says it. It says Enoch prophesied about the return of the Lord. And it's like, dude, Enoch wasn't even here when the Lord came. How could he know about the return? It's like Enos, Enoch saw something outside of time and space, and he saw this reality. There's this thing in the Bible. Some people have called it um, the. Um, some people call it the law of first mention or the principle of first mention. Whenever something's mentioned for the first time, a lot of times that defines something, and so obviously Enoch. It's the second to the last book of the Bible, Jude, where it says Enoch prophesied about the return. But that kind of works with the law first mentioned or the principle first mentioned that Enoch it's set, is the first person ever mentioned to have, have prophesied. You know, meaning he saw the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ, which all prophecy does this. It sees the testimony of Jesus as the spirit of prophecy, right? Revelation 19. It's like it sees things not as they actually are, but as God intends them to be, and it prophesies and it speaks life into that reality and calls it forth into this domain. That's what intercession is, that's what prayer is, that's what prophetic ministry is called to be. That's what the whole thing is. And so, but in, in this reality, we're like, Abraham, we're like, man, I've been thinking Abraham's kind of a funny guy, but Jesus is saying like, Abraham saw my day. And he was happy about it. And I was like, wow, there's a whole lot more to this old guy, this Mesopotamian, this random you know, Mesopotamian guy that God picked. There was, a lot, there was something much more special about him. And he knew a whole lot more than I think we can give him credit for sometimes. And Jesus is the one saying that. And last week we talked about, man, that was, that that was kind of gnarly. We talked about Sodom you know, and what happened there. And, and, you know, the, the, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge, that war, you know, the tree of life representing Isaac, the promised child being prophesied by the Lord, but also the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but also, yeah, and there's also going to be a fire and brimstone that's going to hit Sod- Sodom. There's this, there's this war of these two seeds of these two lineages happening at the same time. But I want to pick up in that movie with that, with that understanding that he was getting to know Jesus. He was getting to know God, Yahweh in a real profound way. And so anyhow, um, I'll start in Genesis 20 and 21. And I'll probably kind of cliff notes these because they're, they're really interesting stories. But in Genesis, Genesis 20, we've just had the whole Sodom thing from last week. So people following the series, it'll, it'll flow really well. But now it picks back up to Abraham's story and his lineage. And once again, Abraham is kind of on the move, and he's moving into a different region, into the south, between Kadesh and Shur, and he stayed in Gerar. And, and, and it starts off back in Genesis 20 of Abraham moving into this new region, and just like we saw several chapters before, he's like, uh, Sarah's my sister, again. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's funny. Apparently this, this you know... Nearly three, dig- nearly 100 year old woman was so beautiful that it was just like, yo, just tell them you're my sister. So I don't have problems with the locals, you know, because they're going to want what's mine. So Abraham, once again, is moving into a new territory and he has this mindset of fear. And it's interesting. It's it's kind of like when you look at like Peter and when Jesus first prophesies about the church and like, blessed are you, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You know what I mean? Like, you've seen who I truly am. Your father's revealed this. And on this rock, I'll build my church. And then a few verses later, he's like, get behind me, Satan. You know what I mean? It's just like, there's like, man, you get this major blessing. Like, man, you really got faith. You really can see some things, Peter. And then you get the, the reverse. Like, hey, that, you're the mindset of the devil right there. You know, it's like, it's interesting. Well, Abraham kind of embodies this kind of walk because we're watching somebody mature in knowing the Lord. So sometimes he goes back into a fear and sometimes he's in faith. And I think that's something we'll really see in this story is like Abraham, he's journeying into this new region that we come to know as like the Philistines, the Philistine region. Because this guy, this name, name um, Abimelech, that's like a generic name for the Philistine kings. There's a whole bunch of kings named that, named for some reason in, there, in that region. And um, so he gets there and he's moving into this territory. And mind you, Abraham's a pretty tough dude. If you remember when when Lot got kidnapped and stuff, and before Abraham met Melchizedek, all these stories, like, Abraham could mount up and and go to battle with people. And so he's not just this, like, he's not out there, you know. Yeah, something like that. But he's not like a, you know, I don't know, non denominational pastor in some skinny jeans. You know what I'm saying? Kind of borderline on the other, uh, you know, kind of a little bit lighting his loafers. You know what I mean? Like, we think that way. But. Um, do I need to edit that out? Um, but. Uh, he's a he's a he's a a dude he's a tough guy you know what i mean And so he we think that he's afraid but he's like he's coming into this region and he's like hey oh sarah remember what we did last time just tell him you're my sister let's let's try to be peaceful here and he's forgetting like yo you have a covenant with god he started to appear to you he takes care of you but he's still following through and so it says that um abimelech the king of gerar sent and he took sarah like who's that who's she yeah, bring her, bring her back to, into my um, company. You know what I mean? And, um, but it says, God came to Abimelech in a dream and said, Indeed, you're a dead man. Because that woman who you've taken, she's somebody else's wife. It says, but Abimelech had not even come near her yet. So he says, Lord, are you going to, hey, I'm righteous. Are you going to slay me for that? Abraham, this guy, he, he, did, he didn't say she was his wife. She said he was his sister. And even she herself said, yeah, he's my brother. In the integrity of heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. And then it says, and God said to him in a dream, which sounds like it might be two different experiences, two separate times. Like he was sweating it. Yes, I know you did this in the integrity of your heart. God tells him. For, for I also... Uh, withheld you from sinning against me therefore I did not let you touch her so God says Abraham Ab- Ab- Abimelech like, yo I didn't I didn't know I didn't know I'm not trying to he's like hey you're gonna you're dead buddy I didn't know it was integrity I know you didn't know I know you didn't know and I kept you from from going too far there um, but what you need to do is you need to restore that man's wife for he's a prophet and he's going to pray for you and, you'll, and you're, and you're going to live boom there's the principle of the first mention of the word prophet in your Bible that's ever been seen or ever been heard of. That sentence. He's a prophet. He will pray for you and you shall live. I know it's been made a bunch of other things. Doom and gloom. The next president. Buy your canned goods. Solar flares. Uh, you, you know, uh, you're, a, you're a sinner. You're, blah, 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 blah. I've been seeing, you know. I know prophet has been made something that it never was intended to be. But we have a definition right there, the, the principle first mention. He's a prophet, he prays, and life happens. Yeah. He prays for you, you will live. Interesting. So obviously, if you read the rest of the story, Abimelech rises early in the morning, calls his servants, and, and he calls Abraham, and, and, and of course he sees him and he's like, what have you done? What, why have you set me up like this? Abraham's excuse in Genesis 20 verse 11 is like, because I thought surely the fear of God's not in this place, and they'll kill me because of my wife. He's honest, but technically she kind of is. You know, we're somewhat related. You know, sorry, this is three thousand years ago, you guys. You know, um, and so he's like, so it was kind of partially true, and da da da. He's like, no, take your take her back. I'm not. You know, but what is what is Abraham uh, learning right here? Um. He's coming into a new, this is about culture, all Christianity, all all church is about culture. And it's just like, he's coming into this region and it's like, hey, they don't fully believe like me. I don't want to rock the boat and be strange, right? Let's just, you know, I know I'm going to be looked at as weird. It's like, and it's just like, but Abraham is like, dude, you've entered into something more real that they are, they are dying to know and experience but you're embarrassed of your reality and insecure about it, and so you never affect their culture. Like, what is that? It's cowardly. And um, that's that's the, the vibe. Fear came and made him take on an image, take on a lie, live a lie, and shut down the promises of God around him so it never actually got out or went anywhere. It's pretty wild, isn't it? But, another thing, Abraham's following God, And one thing that he's learning, it's like, wow, even when I'm afraid, you still show up and protect me. If you're so afraid in his situation that you're willing to lose your wife or your family in this situation because you think it's going to happen anyways, but then God shows up and has your back, it's almost like God wanted an excuse to talk to Abimelech. It's like he's looking to show himself strong. He's looking to impact people in your circles. And all you really have to do is show up and actually be who you truly are. And that's actually what happened to him. Abraham literally shows up and and starts to realize, hey, this isn't me assimilating into their culture and fitting in so as to not rock the boat and to gain success because I'm afraid. This is about me establishing the culture of heaven in the here and now where I'm at. That's what Abraham's learning. Abraham's not a coward. We've seen it. It's just he's going back and forth and gaining this understanding like, wow, God is really with me and he really protects me and he's really seeing through the promise that he made to me. He's very serious about seeing it all the way to its fullness. That's who God is in us, man. That's why these scriptures that Jesus comes and saying, if you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness above all else, all things you need are going to be added to you because he knows the game is to be worried about our needs and try to, and try to um, troubleshoot all these different ways to protect us from everything that we're afraid of. And he's like, instead of the forecast of fear and troubleshooting and navigating your life that way, why don't you navigate it going all the way in with me, seeking my kingdom first and my, my voice and my life and my direction for you, and let me add all the things that you need. And that's the Lord is my shepherd. That's honestly, it's, it's very real. That's what real Christianity is about. And it m- might even be uncommon. But it says, you know, Abimelech says, he's like, hey, I've given, you know, I've given, give Sarah back, gives, gives Abraham. He says, I'll give your brother thousands of pieces, pieces of silver, silver and all these. <laughs> it's, it's funny. He's telling Sarah, I was like, I'll give you back to your brother. <laughs> it's like, okay. okay. <laughs> you know, it gives them all this well, but it says Abraham prays for him. Can you imagine that? Abraham's learning to walk with God, doesn't know him real well. And you got this Philistine king. He says, hey, God came to me and told me, give your wife back. Here's a bunch of money. Here's a bunch of stuff. You're already wealthy, but I'm really gonna, gonna hook you up. Um, and will you pray for me? And Abraham's like, do what? Pray for me. Pray for you. We th- we're, all, we're all churched up. So we think, oh, that's normal. You think Abraham thinks that's normal? Yeah, he said, you're a prophet, and you're going to pray for me." You're like, "Oh yeah, I, I, I am. I am a prophet. Yeah, I'll pray for you, sure. You know what I mean? Like, what's this guy doing? What's this guy thinking? It said, God healed Abimelech and his wife and his female servants, and they started to bear children. And now there was barrenness over that land. I think a lot of times when we read these stories, we think this is all one, one little, de- one day. You know what I'm saying? But it's not. it's a time period. It's stretched out. There's so much more going on during these days. And now, the legacy of our family is like, oh, I have the ability to not be afraid to impact this region. I can actually pray for this region, and for the people of it, even the ones that aren't part of my club, and they can experience the blessing and life of Yahweh. And Abraham's learning this. Like, we can do this? There's nothing like, man, there's nothing to me, even like a stranger, when, you, when you're used to pray for a stranger or speak words of life into a stranger, especially when it's somebody you don't know, it's like when that, when that thing hits and, and God uses you that way, which I think he's very ready to use every single person in this whole building at, at any time that they're, they're willing to look up. When you walk out of that situation, you feel like a superhero. You do. It's like, whoa, I feel like, I feel like a Jedi or an X-Man or something. like I can't believe that just happened. And it didn't do anything for you. It just was life flowing through you. Yeah. And life flowing through you causes you to come alive. It causes maturity and it causes growth. You know, it's true. That's, that is the legacy of our family. That is what we're called to step into and walk into. Abraham was learning this. In the very next chapter, he's dealing with the same king in chapter 21. And um, just as the Lord said, Isaac is born. It's the story of Isaac, the, the child of promise. They name, they name him Isaac. You know, God has made me laugh. Everyone who hears will laugh. Like this is a joyous thing. It's the seed of God that he's wanted to bring his lineage through that will bless the entire world. It's the lineage that Jesus comes from. It's wonderful, it's great. And um, it's just brilliant. There's a lot more in that story that I I don't want to go into just because of time and and it has to do with Hagar and going to the wilderness and her eyes opening, seeing a well. It's this beautiful thing of how God God takes care of the woman who is mistreated, who is used. Um, But in the end of that chapter, I want to go back to the same relationship that Abraham has where he's afraid of this king because he's not afraid of him anymore. He has a different mentality, spending time there and being in his true inheritance and seeing how God had his back, I think it changed his view. Because it comes to pass in in, in Genesis 21, verse 22, that Abimelech and and another king, or, or the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham and he recognized something. He said, hey, God is with you. Therefore, swear to me, By God, that you will not deal falsely with me, nor my offspring, nor my posterity, but according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land um, in which you have dwelt. And Abraham says, I will swear. It's like now the the roles kind of reverse and that Philistine king is like, Abraham is being blessed and he's multiplying everywhere he goes. And now the people that even he used to be afraid of, he's re- they're realizing and submitting like, hey, I realize that God is actually with you. Even when I almost took, took from you, you didn't have to stand up for yourself. God stood up for you like, I'm not messing with you. Can you please be the good guy in this region? Which is so great. And Abraham's like, yes, I'll swear. And so it says, you know, um, swear to me by God that you'll not do falsely with me and all this kindness and, um, and Abraham did. And so they made a covenant there, right? But in the very next verse, verse 25, Abraham rebukes Abimelech. And I think we think about this as in one conversation. Hey, like, swear you're going to be good to me. I will be good to me, but, you know, and it's not like this. This isn't this is over, over a, a pretty good time period that he's there. So they make this, almost like this pact to be at peace and this kindness and this goodness that that hey you have the authority to really wreck shop here tell me that you won't do it and he's like all right yeah no i'm i'm the good guys but it says abraham rebuked abimelech because of a well of water that his servants had seized that some of the philistines had seized and so this is later on down the line i believe but abraham goes from being afraid she's my sister to like hey you guys took a well that was mine, that I dug into, and that's my property. And it's like we're seeing another side of him that's literally contending for what was right and justice in his own inheritance, confidence. And Abimelech, the king, is like, I don't know who did this, but it says, so Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and and the two of them made a covenant. And so Abraham set seven lambs of the flock by themselves, And um, Abimelech's like, what's the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you've set by themselves? To which Abraham's, you'll you'll take these seven lambs from my hand that they may be witness that I have dug this well. Therefore, the name of that place becomes very famous. It's called Beersheba because of the two of them um, made an oath there. Strange. The first person ever known as a prophet in our Bible, principle of first mention, the one that Jesus says, you guys thinking something about him as your father, but he he saw he saw 3,000 years forward, 2,000 years forward, I mean, or 1,000 years forward-ish. What am I thinking? Um, and he saw my day and he was glad. It's like, wait, you, you had a relationship to him? Like, you're not even 50, dude. You're young. But I think what we're seeing is Abraham was stepping into a confidence and to a level of this walk that we're all called to walk into of like, I'm an ambassador of the kingdom. And he's having to have Philistine king said, yeah, God said you're a prophet and you're going to pray for me. Like, he's right, I am, and I will, and it works. And he starts to see that he has authority and power with God to follow God and to follow this path. And now he's doing some, if you read the rest of the Old Testament, he's doing weird prophet types of things. Showing up with these seven lambs. Yeah, we're going to cut these lambs in half. We're going to walk through them, make a covenant. And Abimelech's like, what? Like, what kind of strange rituals are these things that you're bringing me? You know? We think, oh, yeah, you know, we just read through the stories real fast, but can you imagine how strange that is? We're going to cut these things in half. We're going to walk through them. We're going to make a vow right here and right now. We're, like, We're going to do what? Why is there seven? What's the deal? What's the point of this? These seven are going to be a, the oath that you make, and this is my well. That's what it's going to be. Sure. Let me do your ritual with you. You're obviously a mystic or prophet or something, you know. That's who Abraham was. It's called the well of the seven or the well of the oath. That word is both right there. Now we know, right? We know these words. We, we've seen these prophecies and we've seen the New Testament. We've seen Isaiah 11, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge, the fear of the Lord, the seven that would be upon the Messiah. We, we understand the seven represents the fullness of this Holy Spirit. The Book of Revelation, the the sevenfold Spirit of God, the seven candlesticks in the menorah inside the tabernacle. We've seen all this symbolism, and we're like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, we're we're like you know Star Wars nerds that are watching the movies. I'm like, yeah, I remember what all that means, but they don't remember what this stuff means. And this is all prophetic for us to see what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. And Abraham is learning what as well. This well is my inheritance. The oath. The well of the seven is like, I'm not doing this by my own strength. I'm doing this by the power of the spirit of the Lord. We've also been covering the war of the two trees in this garden of Eden. This war that is rewritten and, 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 and prophesied even, if you will, in Jeremiah 17. One tree cursed is the man who trusts in man in his own strength, right? He relies on himself in his own strength, in his own ways, he will be like a shrub that's planted in the desert, but he will not see when good comes to him. He will be so fearful that the good God wants to release to him, he won't recognize it. Abraham knew he was almost there. He was coming into a land. There was going to be the promised land of God. There was going to be wells that were given him to him by God, all these things. But he was so afraid that he went into his own strength and almost sacrificed his own family, his wife who was close to going to end up burying Isaac not long from there. And it's just like, dude, you, you were this close to ruining the entire thing for all time. Like, do you realize how important that is? You know what I'm saying? It's like Mary and Joseph, like, with the baby in the stomach. And if they were on the way to Nazareth said, we're not doing this, we're out. And, you know, you know I'm going to the clinic and I'm getting rid of this baby. You know, I was like... That, that could have ruined everything. Obviously, they were guided by the Lord and the angel and protecting all those things and that, they would never do that. But, but here you have Abraham like, he literally close to messing up the plan of God or so it seemed because he got so afraid in that place that he was like the, the bush in the desert that didn't see the good that God, it's like, hey, if I'm allowing you to come into this land, it's because I have provision for you here. There's wells here. There's inheritance for you here, you know? And God comes and gets his back. Don't touch that lady. She's going to birth a child of promise that I've prophesied. You're going to die if you do. And also, I'm going to use this trial to bring Abraham into his true identity, into the authority that I've called him to be in. Isn't that beautiful and wonderful? Could the squeeze of the trials and fears that people experience literally be the birth canal for you to come into the the person who you're called to be? But so many times the discomfort caused people to turn around and go straight backwards. I'm out. Or to to chart another path in their own strength because this isn't looking good. We got to do it like this. And they end up on the wrong side of the tracks not seeing the good that God was actually bringing them into. Because we have a little God and a big enemy or a big fear. The way that thing works, dude. Abraham's learning this thing. And the next thing, he's... He's bucking or fronting up to this king. And hey, by the way, yeah, cool tree and all. That's my well. That's mine. And some of your boys done stole it. Hey, I didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, well, we're going to make it back. And we're going to make a real big deal that there's going to be a covenant that this stays in my family lineage. The well of the seven. It's the other side of Jeremiah 17. Cursed is the man who trusts his own strength. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. His heart doesn't depart from the Lord like the other. He trusts in the Lord. And he'll be a tree that's planted by the water. Who will not be anxious in a year of drought. In other words, no matter how negative and how, even if it is a drought, it won't even touch him. He will not cease to bear fruit. That's what Jeremiah 17 says. It's the war of the two trees. And the testing ground is the plastic world, this matrix of what, that's the proving ground of where we will trust But the Lord is calling people to trust in Him and live this life that will live as examples that other people will see, eat the same fruit, and recognize their dad. And that's what He does. He's drawing a boundary with this Philistine king, like, this is mine, and the well of the seven or the well of the oath comes something that's basically an eternal inheritance for His people. It's proverbial, but it's also literal. I love this. It says, they made a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech rose up with the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. In other words, okay, this land is officially yours. The boundary is set. We made a deal, we encroached on it, you caught our bluff, it's not happening, and we got pushed back. But look at this, it says, then Abraham, the very last verse, actually the second last verse, verse 33, says, then once this oath was made and he secured that well, it says he planted a grove. Tamarisk trees in Beersheba and called upon or declared the name of the Lord. That's something different too. That's prophet stuff right there. That's like not called upon, help me, what am I going to do? That's like he he planted a grove of these Tamarisk Tamarisk, and he called and declared the name of the Lord. It's like that's establishment, y'all. That's planting something. That is the planting of the Lord. That is the, the tree of life. It was the signpost. And, um, and he stayed in the land of the Philistines for many days. And it's like he planted this grove. Um, we've seen all these times God comes and meets him and Gideon and, and others, Nathaniel, all these different people. Where does he see them? Under these trees all the time. This old mystic... Reality from that was that was imaged all the way from Eden, gets put on repeat with all these prophets and all these genealogies. Abraham's starting to get hip to it. He's met him under these trees, the the tree of Moray, you know, the the tree of strength, the tree of the teacher, and now he's got this grove that he plants around this well. And guess what? This is a desert place. This is a dry place, but this grove would thrive. And guess why? Because it's planted on a natural spring. It's Jeremiah 17. It is the trust in yourself, shrub in the desert, no water, trust in the Lord, you'll be planted by the water and you won't even see when there's a drought. Isn't that beautiful? It was a sign for his people. You know what I looked up about these tamarisk trees too? Um, They take, they're they're a very slow growing tree. It's like, we're thinking like, I'm gonna plant the biggest thing, So it can be the the flashiest and grow the fastest and everyone can see my pillar. You know what I mean? He plants these trees that grow one inch a year. That's it. And I was like, oh boy. And they grow for 400 years. These trees, they're ancient trees. These trees grow one inch a year for 400 years. Isn't that amazing? He planted something that he wouldn't probably even be able to enjoy but people that would come behind him would. And surrounded this well, this, which was built on it probably a natural spring that was in the, round, in the ground that the Lord had given them. You know what I'm saying? But he had this wellspring of life in the southern portion of Israel now that was like planted by all, the, all these Tamarisk trees, a, a full grove of them was planted there. And these trees, just in the natural, the study of the Tamarisk tree is like, what it does is it takes condensation or dew from the evenings And it pulls it into its leaves all night. And then the day, because it's in drier, more arid places, when the sun comes and hits those trees, um, it releases a mist. And it cools the area where it's at. Yeah. It's like them fans at the football games, those mist fans. You know what I mean? I don't think it blows like that now. Maybe it will someday. But but they change the climate and the atmosphere where they're planted. So you plant a lot of them. Think about that. Chapter 20, he's like, go and assimilate. I didn't think y'all feared God, so I was going to play by your rules. It's like, hey, don't play by their rules. Go all the way in with the Lord. You're called to be an example that wakes people up, dude. Come on. That's who we are. He goes from that to planting a tree that will literally change the climate of the region around that well. Isn't that beautiful? Just as his descendants would literally be walking across the desert and have a cloud covering them by day the heat of the desert wouldn't burn them or scorch them. They would have a pillar of fire by night. So when it did get deep and cold, like they had warmth and fire and light, you know what I'm saying? They were always under a different climate than the rest of the world. Because when you're planted by the water, when you're planted by the Spirit, it's like you don't see when the drought comes. You don't cease to bear fruit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect you. And that's how you manifest this life and this light. Not to mention... That was 400 years later. The Lord had told him when he made the covenant, by the way, your descendants are gonna be, they're gonna go to Egypt and they're gonna thrive. They thrive so much that they're gonna be slaves for 400 years. So this dude plants a tree that gets gets to its max 400 years later in time for his grandchildren to come up into it, into that well. Can you imagine that? That's legacy. I think people spend, man, too much time being afraid, you know, the future, the word of the Lord that I feel I have is the future is actually so bright and his plans for you are full of such hope The Jeremiah 29. Oh, the judgment's coming. He's like, yeah, the judgment is coming, but I know the plans that I think for you and therefore actually hope in the future. It's like, no, I'm so scared and terrified in life. We can waste so much of our life being afraid that we don't see the good that God's gonna to wanna want to bring us into. There's so many, just in the charismatic church, that's all they're looking at. Like, oh, snap, Joe Biden's head's gonna pop off. He's a robot, he's an, a- he's an alien, and, the, and then the Nephilim are coming, and the canned goods, and then the solar... F- you know, we, we think all these crazy conspiracies, and maybe there's a couple of them that's right, but the thing about it is, we can think in such a way that we're not effective in what we're called to do right here and right now. And the Lord's like, hey man, I'm sorry I'm so small in your eyes and all the drama's so big and it eats your lunch in your brain. But have you ever thought of the fact that maybe I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you and they're not for negativity or for you to be destroyed, but they're for hope and they're for a future. It's like, don't give into the fear because the tree that's planted by the waters, he's not anxious even when there is a drought. That wording is very specific there dude. We're called to actually be confident, you know. I think there's many people I'll just release it like a word. You are in for such a beautiful future, a beautiful time for your future that is ahead. Yeah. So don't miss it being an anxiety or fear. You know what I mean? Trust in the Lord. Know the Lord's voice. Know him. Abraham, when I saw that story, I was like, wow, Abraham's playing the long game, y'all. He wasn't planning, dude, I'm about to plant a tree in our front yard. I'm like, what, what grows like fairly quick? Because I want that thing to be big, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but Abraham's like, this thing grows one inch a year. It's like, well, it'll, but it'll be a legacy for those who follow this walk. And it'll be a signpost of what it means to be planted in the water. And I thought, man, I know there's so many people in this world, especially even in this region, the Jesus people, really, they were so zealous after God, but they saw so much stuff was going on. So they never really lived life because Jesus was about to come back anyways. So what's the point? I'm not going to go to college for three extra years. Like Jesus is going to come back and then that'll be a waste of time. I've been worldly the whole time. It's like, yeah. And now they're 30, 40 years older than most of you you know, than a lot of us, and they're in the same extra, same boat. And Noah's second flood never came. You know. But we have opportunities in this life to trust in God and then navigate in Him and to give life to all those who are around us. You know what I mean? Just like Abraham did. Abimelech got to meet God. We don't even think about that. Abimelech, this Philistine king had a legacy in his family probably of actually meeting God. God showed up to him. Granted, God said he was about to die because he was being naughty though. He said, it wasn't me. And God said, hey, I know, buddy. I know you didn't do it on purpose. So connect with him. Abimelech was a tool to get Abraham to step into his purpose and calling. God used an opposition to wake Abraham up, hey, to speak life, not to to curse, but to bless him. And that his lineage and his babies could be born and his family could grow. God loves people and he always has. The Philistines are bad though. It's like, no, no one's bad, man. Nobody's freaking bad. Everybody's created an image of God. You don't have an enemy. If you have an enemy that's flesh and blood, then you, you've, you're playing with the demons. You're with the Nephilim side. That's what that is. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We love people. It's the only option we have. Otherwise, we're playing for the other team. We don't want to play with them. They ain't the good guys, Woody. But... Abraham planted this tree and it was the legacy. It was a legacy of faith and being planted in the spirit and it was a beautiful thing for us to see. He played the long game and guess what? He played a longer game than that because Jesus said so, didn't he? He saw my day. He saw those trees, he saw the, He saw his kids coming out of Egypt, but he saw my day. He saw me, the guy that walked into his tent and said, come get out of your tent and come look at the stars. You're thinking small, you're afraid. Come look at the stars. This is, you, can you count those? I didn't think you could. That's what your genealogy is going to be like. I'm telling you, it's coming. This thing is much bigger. That was the Word. That was Jesus. And then he saw for, forward, the guy that walked in his tent, walking around with people, manifesting himself. Saw his day. The Messiah. I'm going to be birthed to your lineage. Can you imagine that? Being there with the Word and like, so I'm your grandfather? And it's like, In a sense, kind of, but I'm your daddy, boy. No, he didn't say that, but kind (laughs) of. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the reality of our lineage and our legacy. And I ask that this gift of prophetic ministry and prophetic sight, that is the heritage of all the saints, to see you in the testimony of Jesus, even in our brothers and sisters, even in the properties and land and value of everything in this world, and I thank you for the purpose and destiny that it's not, we've, we've made it religious, but it can often be in every secular field that you have so much for us to do and to release. And I thank you for the contrast of not being fearful, but being of faith. And Lord, let there be an adjustment. Let there be an, a divine correction and adjustment that cuts to the heart where people realize, hey, I'm a follower of my father. The Lord is my shepherd and I've been in a place of fear navigating my life. Let me come out of agreement with that and come into agreement with his hopeful forecast of plans that he has for me. And I will follow him with, with all that I've got, Lord. So we thank you for that actually setting itself up Lord in the minds and hearts let the real reality of true Christianity that real thing permeate let it let it be like the spring flowers that it smelled like fresh bread all over our region from our people and the people that are called according to your name that we actually would arise and shine and manifest you everywhere we're at thank you for this legacy amen